Let's pray together. God, we stand before you and we ask that, as always, your word would change us. That through our study of your word, we would understand who you are more clearly. And that we would be better followers of you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've said from here before that parenting is one of the most difficult things that I've ever done, and that's not because our daughters are terribly difficult to parent, but because I have so much ability to fail in parenting. And that happens over and over again. There are things that I wish I had done a lot better as a parent. And, and one of the things that's also surprised me in that process is the incredible amount of opportunities that I've had to apologize as a parent. Less often it's for something I've done, more often it's for something that I've said or the way that I've said it. Because of frustration or lack of sleep or because of anger or whatever, something is said that I wish I had never said. Wish I could take it back, but it's out there. Or I've said something in a way that, man, communicated bad things and I wish I had said it in a different way. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. But it's not just in parenting, is it? I mean, it could be at work, it could be in family in general, it could even be in church, it could be among friends where, where we are just in a bad place and we say something that almost immediately wish we, we wish we could pull back. Or we say it in a way and know from the look on the person's face or even from just hearing ourselves speak that it was said in the wrong tone of voice, in the wrong way, and we just wish we could take it back. That can happen because of our anger. You know, we say things in anger that we would say no other time, things that aren't necessarily even true, and we wish we could take them back. Our anger takes hold, and man, we go, who was that person? Because we were saying what we said in a way that was really designed just to make the other person hurt as much as we did. Or maybe it's because you're in a conversation and and people start to talk, right? And they're sort of letting out some inside information and And we sort of want to be known as someone who has that kind of information. We call it gossip, spilling the tea, gospel grapevine. Sometimes we call it prayer requests, but it's all the same thing. It's gossip. And so we share as well. And later on we look back and say, and I should not have been involved in that conversation. Shouldn't have said what I said. That was information that really was better left unsaid or maybe revealed a confidence that I shouldn't have and and we regret it. Or maybe we're in some other environment and we begin to use words that everyone else is using that we probably wouldn't use in this room. And we know, man, it's not really good, but everyone else is doing it, so we just jump in. And after it's all over, whether it's because of our anger or there's gossip going on or language or what, I mean, whatever, we look back and, and we wish we hadn't said what we said, but we try to diminish it, right? It was just some words. It was among friends. It's okay. It's not that big a deal. But we know it is. We know it is. So what do we do with this? Today we continue in the series that we're calling Talk is Cheap. Because we can talk a lot about our faith, we can read a lot about our faith, we can have all kinds of knowledge, but if we don't actually do something with it, then it's not worth much. 
And today I want us to continue our study of the book of James. We've got some booklets available for you if, you, if you'd like to take one over on this side. It's just the, the book of James and it's a great way to take some notes or journal through it. Read through this material during the week because this is such practical application of what it means to be a Christian. And one of the things that James talks about actually several times in this book is your words matter. What you say to people it really matters. It can have an impact on them. And so he encourages us to be careful with our words. Now, the longest section of teaching on our words in the book of James is found in chapter 3, and that's where we're going to start today. Now, the first thing that James does is sort of tell us, listen, the tongue has an outsized impact for its, its size, for how big the tongue is. It seems like a small part of the body but it has a tremendous impact. And he takes one example from horseback riding and says, you know, you can control a horse, which is pretty big, just by the bit in its mouth. And then from sailing, he says, you know, a ship can be of large size, but even a small rudder controls the direction that that ship will go. The tongue has a big impact on the people around us and on ourselves. And then he begins to talk about the power of the tongue. And he uses language that in some ways is almost surprising because it's pretty, pretty tough. This is what he says. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, he says this. And the tongue is a fire. It's a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by Hell, that's pretty strong, okay? Take that apart for a second. He says, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Paul, uh, James is basically saying, listen, you know, your whole life can be just like lit up by what you say. Relationships that have taken years to develop, years to build. If you start saying the wrong things in the midst of that relationship, it's like taking, taking a match to a, a ball of paper. And it just goes up in flames because of what you have said. A world of unrighteousness, he says. Our tongues can communicate just how unrighteous we are on the inside. Powerful stuff. He says it is set on fire, setting on fire the entire course of life, and then at the end, set on fire by hell. In other words, if we're not careful, Satan is at work in what we speak. It is that powerful. Satan loves to control what we say because what we say has such an impact on ourselves and on other people, on relationships, on the church, on our workplace, all of that. And if Satan gets control of what we're saying, Satan has control of a lot of situations in our lives. Strong stuff. And then he goes on. Verses 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Okay, that's true. And, and we could add to that in our world that a lot of nature has been tamed. We can see powerful forces of nature, water, all sorts of things that are controlled by human beings. But he says this in verse 8, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of a deadly poison. So yeah, we got all kinds of power to control powerful forces of nature, but we can't even seem to control what we say. He says it's a lot like a serpent that has, I mean, it's just full of venom and it is ready to strike and it destroys. 
That's how powerful your words are to the people around you. Okay? And we have trouble controlling it, is what James is telling us. It is difficult to get under control because of anger, because of frustration, because of hurt feelings. We struggle to control what we say. Verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. James says we're double-minded. It's like we can't figure out who we are, who we want to be, because there's times we come in rooms like this, and we use our mouths, our words to praise God. We sing His praises. We pray together. We take communion. It's all worship. We are worshiping God, and then we walk out of this room, and it's like we're ready to curse the first person we see. And guess what? That person is created in the image of the same God that we worship in this room. We are so inconsistent with our words. And verse 10 tells us it shouldn't be that way. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. James is always keyed in on, listen, you got to put your faith into action. Saying, I'm a person who believes in Jesus, well, that's awesome and that's good and it's a great start. But James says if that faith does not work itself out in the way that you live, it is empty. And if it doesn't work itself out in the way you talk, it's empty as well. Because what you say betrays what's going on inside. And we catch that if we move back in the chapter to verse 2. This is what he says. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. There's a great lesson in that verse. James is saying, listen, man, it is really hard to control what you say. In fact, later on in that passage, as we read, he said it's virtually impossible. But listen, if you can control what you say, you are nearing perfection. He's saying, listen, if, if you take what you say, and you can begin to really control that, you are getting yourself under control. We might put it this way. As you gain control over what you say, you gain control over who you are. Because what you are on the inside, where your heart is, is going to be betrayed in your words. And it and it works the other way too. So if you can begin to control, if you can begin to get under control what you say, then you're doing some heart work too. Okay? Where you take your voice, where you take your, your words, if you take that in the right direction, then your heart is following along. So if we are getting our words under control, we are getting ourselves under control. It matters that much. Now, you say, okay, I get it, James. Our words are powerful. Our words make a difference. Our words can be used to encourage people and to worship God. And our words can also be used to tear people apart and, and destroy relationships and bring people down. And we need to control that. Okay, I get it. And it's also true that if we, if we begin to control where we are in, in, our, in our words, then we are beginning to control where we are in our hearts. Okay, I get that too. Say, well, James, what do, I, what do I do with this? How do I begin to make this happen in my life? Well, I want us to back up a little bit in this book because James deals with that all the way back in chapter 1. Just one verse 
where he talks about a simple way to control what we say. And I think this is a plan that's super practical. Here's what he says. James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Three things there. He says, I want you to be quick to hear. I want you to listen. Now, I think our natural inclination is this. We get in a conversation with someone and they start talking and what do we do? In our minds, we begin forming our response, right? We find some common ground that we want to share that we've been through a similar experience. Or maybe, maybe this conversation is a little more tense. Maybe there's some tension in that conversation. And so when they begin to say what they are saying, and it's, man, we're not agreeing with them, and maybe we even feel a little bit attacked, our inclination then is to form our response to what they're saying to let them know they're wrong, to counter their argument. And so... A lot of times when we are listening to someone talk, we're not so much listening as determining how we'll respond to what they say. And James is telling us, don't do that. Instead, be quick to hear, quick to listen. Because you know, when we listen, we just might learn something. We might get some information that we didn't have before. We might gain some insight into the reason the person who's sitting in front of us feels the way that they feel or thinks the way that they think. We might gain insight into why they're talking the way that they're talking and that could change how we respond. In fact, it could even be true that if we listen carefully enough, and the person has something important to say, they might even change our minds. We might find out we're wrong. And so James tells us, be quick to hear. Because listening to other people changes the course of the conversation. And it can change the course of the relationship. And if if all we're doing is responding, if all we're thinking about is what I'm going to say next, we're not listening. So first, be quick to hear. Second, be slow to speak. Now, those two things go hand in hand, right? If we're quick to respond, quick to speak, we're not listening. So we've got to do this together. So quick to hear, listen to what they say, slow to speak. Think through what you're about to say. Words that we say too hastily, too quickly, often get us in a lot of trouble. And so James says, think carefully. So often, if we can pause just a moment and we get that realization, you know, if I say this, it is going to be destructive. If I say this the way that I'm feeling right now, it's going to come out in a way that's going to be hurtful rather than helpful. And we might just take those words and keep them in because they were better left unsaid. And so we don't say them. If we can be slow to speak... We can filter out lots of stuff that just really should not be said. And then he says, be slow to anger. James recognized, just like we do, that we say things in anger that we would not otherwise say. And we certainly say things in ways that we know we shouldn't say them. And so if we can learn to control our anger, 
learn to sort of calm ourselves, learn to get ourselves under control, that affects how we speak. That affects how we talk to people. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, those are not easy things to do. James never in this book says, you know what, if you do this, here's three easy steps to controlling what you have to say, because there's no three easy steps to controlling what you have to say, or saying things in the right way. But what he is saying is, listen, there is a path forward. You don't have to leave your words out of control. You really can have a positive impact on people, and that's part of this too. Rarely do we say things that build people up when we're in anger. But when we think through what we're going to say, and usually we have to be intentional about this, we can be encouragers when we are slow to speak. We can be ones who lift people up when we're slow to speak, when we listen to what their needs are. All those things work hand in hand. So, you know, most of us, when we look back, it would not take us long to identify a moment a time when we said something we really wish we could reel back in. But after we said it, it was out there. And what we know is, even though we apologized, even though we said, you know what, that is not true, I said that in anger, it's not something I really believe, it's not something I really feel, that person has remembered it ever since. And we know how damaging this can be because we've also been on the receiving end of it. We know words that other people have said that, and they probably forgot they said, still with us. We know all that. We need to do something about it. Because when we begin to control our words, when we change our words, we also change who we are. Our words will have an impact. The question is, is that impact going to be positive? Is it going to be something that's going to build up other people, build up our family, our kids, our spouses, our parents, our church, our school, our workplace, our friends? Man, or is it going to be like James says? You might as well take a match and light up a piece of paper and let it disappear. Because our words can do that too. Which is it going to be? Let's pray together. Now we know there are times we need to repent of what we've said. And we recognize our failure in that. God, we also come to you and ask that you would give us the strength that we need. And we know that it will have to come from you because we are too weak to do it on our own. Give us the strength to change what we say and how we say it. God, we want to be people who use our words like Jesus did. Sometimes to correct, sometimes to challenge, but so often to offer forgiveness and grace and kindness. God, help us to be like Jesus in that way. And we pray it in his name. Amen. The words that Jesus offered to us are words like, you are forgiven. You have eternal life. 
And what we have to do is accept those words. To believe that He really is the Son of God. To put our faith in Him. To say to Him, you know, I messed some stuff up in my life and I want to live in a different way. And then to submit to Him in baptism. If you're ready to do that, to follow Jesus in that way, we'd love to talk with you about that this morning. Let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand.